If he wasn't here last week, Ron Edge was a wonderful helper in the sermon of shooting the bow and arrow at the target. And uh, thank you for that. If he wasn't here, well, you should have been here. But we found out what sin can do. We found out that God never moves. We found that out. We found that we move. And we found out that the reason we sin is because we get so far away from the will of God, it's harder to hit. And it's kind of hard to hit a moving target anyway. So this morning, a question came up, and I've been dealing with forgiveness. And first of all, we talked about the first week, what do we do when somebody repents and we, we have to forgive them? There's no doubt about it. We're commanded. Last week, we talked about, about the forgiveness of God. And, and I've got I've to, I'm coming back to it in about two weeks. I'm not leaving you. But <clears throat> this question come up. And, and, and next week, we're going to talk about the wonderful uh, process of what we're going to call a reciprocation between repentance and forgiveness. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And this is the way it's supposed to work in the body of Christ. Because I'll prove to you in the book of James, the only pastor in the New Testament, they had fighting going on in the church. And the Greek word means there's blood that's running down the aisles. Absolutely. And so, and James deals with this. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, it, we're, we're, we're not unusual creatures. We're not always going to get along. And, but, but I will tell you that somebody asked this question, and, and this is what I want to I deal with very shortly, because this is a short sermon, and you'll, you'll thank me later for it. So the, one of the keys of the kingdom that unlocks and locks things is called, or referred to as, as God's success or spiritual success. Success. And if you're really going to be successful in the, in the kingdom, then we have to deal with forgiveness and repentance. And here's the deal. If you don't learn how to forgive when people repent, then you're not successful. You won't go any further. So to say that, I want to begin this way. It's found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. One verse only. So Joshua says that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you're going to meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. And for then, and only then, shall your ways be prosperous. And then and only then, the Hebrew says, you'll have good success. What in the wide world is he talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. The word prosperity or prosperous in the Old Testament is a Hebrew word that means to accumulate stuff. To have stuff. But it doesn't end there. He said not only that God said, I'll give you prosperity, but I'll give you success. The Hebrew word for success means the ability to enjoy that stuff. It's amazing that we today, that we probably have more stuff than we've ever had in our life, but we today are more unhappy and more miserable than we ever have been before. And we talk about this, the first house Galen and I had, <clears throat> you could probably sit on the commode and turn the eggs on the stove at the same time. <clears throat> really? <clears throat> Excuse me. When we, were, we, we didn't have a lot, we, we, didn't, we didn't have to fight over a lot, we didn't have three or four cars, didn't have things. That, I mean, we just, we just got along and everything was good. But it's amazing that that stuff will not make you happy. It's a proven fact. There's millionaires that are blowing their brains out. There are billionaires that are overdosing in drugs. Stuff will not make you happy. When will you understand this? There's nothing wrong with stuff. I kind of like stuff, certain stuff. But... What was that? 
But God said, not only will I give you stuff, if this book of the law will not depart, but I'll give you the ability to enjoy it. Now that's the key. So we know that knowledge is what we're going to refer to as input. John 10 says that you shall go in and go out and find pasture. That word pasture means completion. So knowledge is like breathing in. Wisdom is like breathing out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Well, what did y'all have for breakfast? I, but there's a middle component. It's called meditate. It's a Hebrew word for digestion. So anybody that takes in food and it measly throws it up or gets rid of it, it does the body no good. You've got to have digestion. So what he's telling him is this, and we're going to get to why this is so important, is because it's, you've got to be able to come in and receive God's word. And hear me this morning, you get a good dose of it. I'm going to go ahead and tell it, and I don't care. Some lady, Gayla read last Sunday, somebody read, somebody asked, some lady asked, I'm a single woman, and I'm looking for a good church. And there was a ton of comments, wasn't there? A ton of them. I don't have any, like, and, and she read them to me. Now, not one of them come from here, and I'm happy with that. I'm happy with it. <clears throat> but almost every comment was, A, we have good coffee bars. Um, we have a good children's church program. Some of them was, it doesn't matter what you wear, just come on. Really? Not one. Not a one. I'll eat, I'll eat that guitar of Andrew's, but not one said... We have great teaching of the Word of God in the church. Not a one. And so, and I, I told God, I said, don't you dare. Don't you say, don't you type anything. But it kind of gives you the framework. So I'm, I'm looking for a good church. And I've always said that before you move, look for a church before you move. And so they're, they're given an honest question. I'm looking for a good church. The first thing you should be looking at is, are we teaching the truth and the principles about Christ and his kingdom? And I, good, I like good coffee. I, look, I like good fellowship. I like good singing. I like yellow walls. I like it all. But those things have, will never change a man's heart. Really? So... The thing about it is, is that when, when, when we came here, we come here, my job is to give you a full spiritual buffet of the word of God. You take it in and then you let it digest. Now, how many ever eats a good dinner and the first thing you, after you eat a good dinner and I'm not talking about a bologna sandwich, I'm talking about a turkey and dressing where the buttons are popping off and breaking glass everywhere. I just want to go somewhere and lay down and go to sleep. That's, that's why you take naps in church because I'm feeding you so much with the word of God. You're going, <laughs> but, but at, besides that, once it digested, then wisdom means output. Knowledge is input. Meditation <clears throat> is digestion. And wisdom is letting it out. Application to the word. So he's giving him a wonderful example of what this is all about. So, there's a couple of things about this we're going to talk about success and what God says about success. Number one, always expect to succeed, but never think you have succeeded. 
Always expect to succeed, but don't ever reach a place where you feel like you have succeeded. Number two, if the devil cannot use failure to drag you down, he'll always use his secret weapon of success. So we have to be careful. Now, we're not so pessimistic like Charlie Brown says, I know when my ship comes in, I'll probably be at the airport. We're not that pessimistic, you know, or, or the lie at the end of the tunnel is probably a freight train coming. So, so 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, dealing with, I want you, here's the deal. What's this? Somebody asked last week, why do you take a lot of time, even with simple applications with bows and arrows? Because here it is. I want you to get it. I want you to get it. Here's a secret. I got it. I want you to get it. No school teacher in school ever wanted their child to fail. Matter of fact, every time that child failed, that teacher took it personal. We have school teachers here. And I'll guarantee whenever a child struggled and made an F instead of an A or a B, that, that something happened to this teacher. She didn't say, yes, I failed Myers again. I want you to get it. And here's the secret. Are you looking at me? I have it. I got it. I understand it. It's all over me. It's, it's oozing out of me. Just come talk to me and it'll ooze out of me. Squeeze me and he'll come out. Really? I want you to get it. I want you to be successful. I want everything about you that, that will, will, will be successful in the things of God. And that's why I take a lot of time to say silly things, to be humorous, but to be dead serious to you because somehow I need to, to, to get it in you that the Word of God will cause you to be successful and prosperous. And prosperity has, has nothing to do with accumulation of stuff. It has everything to do with whatever God has given you right now. I'm happy with it. And I am content. Because big churches are not successful. Big ministries are not successful. Some of them. Because they're not happy. They're fighting. They're dividing. And the Apostle Paul said in Corinthians 1, these things should not be among us. That's why people stay home from church. That's why you're last in here and you're first to leave because you don't like people. You should like people. Hopefully you'll be going to heaven with them. And if not, they'll be going to heaven. You might need to reevaluate your relationship with Christ. So it's very important because I want you to be successful. So you may say, <clears throat> well, if I had 30 more people around, well, you don't. So be happy with the person sitting beside you. Well, if, if I had a voice like Catherine, well, you don't. You sound like a, a, a frog. But, so just be happy with the voice God gave you. The rest of us will croak right along with you. First Corinthians 13, 11 says this. It is in the King James. When I was a child, that I spoke as a child and I understood as a child. And I thought as a child. But when I became a man, that I put away childish things. Now, this word is kind of word. The first word is where we get basically a pateon, just about a toddler, a little bitty toddler. And Amity knows that toddlers really want their way. I've never met one that didn't. In the daycare, we've had this daycare 26 years. In the two-year-old class, we never had to have a class to the two years how to throw a fit. 
Okay, y'all line up. Now, if you don't get your way, this is what you do. They're born with it. If they don't get with the way they want, they just throw a fit. That's the way it is. And some of them never grow out of it. So the Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, immature, that I acted like a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child. If I didn't get my way, my lip dropped, my arms crossed, and I sulked, and I go, I'm not going back. Well, you big old baby. But he said, but when I become a man, I tell you, a full mature man, that I put away childish things. So I wrote this. This is the lexicon to this. That it's certainly childish and immature for us as believers to think that our lives are over when in fact that our dreams and our expectations do not work out as we had planned. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul is telling you, you, you made big plans. You drew it out on paper and handed God and said, this is what I want. This is my wish list. And while you're not looking, God just tore it up. I want a new boat. I wanted a new car. I wanted a new house. I want I wanted a better preacher. This is what you got. You, you handed God and you demanded God. And boy, I wouldn't do that. I don't suggest that at all. But God just tore it up and he said, well, that's, that's good. Uh, that's good. That's not, that's not what's going to happen. And, he, and Paul said, it would be very childish and immature of me to think that just in fact that when my expectations and dreams did not come true, that my life was over. It's over. I'm finished. You know, teenage girls at 12, my life is over. Jimmy Jack at school didn't ask me to the prom, so my life is over. You're going to figure that out, AJ, before long when she... So, and that's the way we act. Success, real success, spiritual success is learning to manage our disappointments and our dreams that did not come true. These disappointments, they're just a part of growing and developing our spirit man. Setbacks are a key ingredient to our success. When you really begin to understand that resistance builds muscles, true success in God is this in learning to manage your disappointments. I'm not even going to look around, but how many here has ever been disappointed, not only by, by people, but really the, the wish list that you gave God? We all have. That person wasn't healed, they died. That person didn't stay married, they left. That person didn't remain my friend. They abandoned me. They talked bad about me. God, I told you three times to take this away, and you did not. And now then, I'm, I've got grudges against you. You would never admit it, but that's what's going on. Our whole life seems to be struggles. Our whole life seems to be wrestlings. The more we pray, the worse it gets. The more we try to tie, the, 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 the less money we got coming in. It's all kinds of stuff. But Corinthians says this, he says, but it would be very childish for me to even act like that even though with my best expectations does not come to pass, that I would act like an immature brat and stomp off and walk off. Somebody in any discussion or, or dissension, somebody has to be the adult. And I'm glad to tell you God's always the adult. And I'm patting my foot and I'm turning red and I'm running around, you know, the yard. And God said, when you, now, when you get through and you pass out, I'll talk to you reasonably. There's a lot of things that dealing with life and, and, and things that, that does not happen the way we want. Louise never prayed for cancer. I know she never said, God, I wish you'd give me cancer so you can heal me. I'm guaranteed that didn't happen. But things happen. 
but I want to encourage you this morning that in your success, and you are successful because you're making progress. And you're making progress with tribulations. You're making steps forward with circumstances that are surrounding you. And for that, you're successful. And for me as a pastor, I want to tell you, thank you. Thank you for not walking out and bailing and jumping ship when things do not go your way or you don't get everything you want. Thank you because that is a wonderful sign of maturity and success in God. If that was the deal, we'd all have quit and resigned a long time ago. But I will tell you, here's what the scripture says. The apostle Paul just got his brains beat out. They reckon him as dead. The Spirit of God revived him. You know this in Iconium. And this is when he goes back to the city. And this is what he said. The next verse. He said, boys, these light afflictions. Now, wait a minute. They just hit him ahead with a brick. The Bible said he died. Luke said he died. That's where he saw these visions of the third heaven. And, and when they pray for him and he comes back to life and, and he wakes up and he's white in blood and they can't believe he's back alive. And this is what he said. He said, boys, these light afflictions. We're not talking about an ingrown toenail. We're not talking about a bad perm. We're not talking about a broken fingernail. We're talking about having your brain cavity busted into your dead. And the reason why we know, because the word nomizo and Luke was a doctor and Luke, and Luke pronounced him dead. He's gone. And that's where he sees all these things in heaven. And when he comes back to life, he said, boys, these light afflictions are not even worthy to compete compared to the glory that I just left the city limits of heaven. I just come from there. And I'm telling you, these light afflictions are not worthy to be compared to the glory that awaits us when we leave this planet. Payday someday. The problem is that you got your eyes on this life. Get them off this life. There is a greater place that awaits the people of God. Ooh. So I'm not encouraging it to, to do something dumb and get there quicker. Don't do that. Wait till the bus comes to pick you up. Real success is the ability to manage your disappointments. Real success in God is learning to handle your frustrations. Real success is that walk in this church house when everything around you is hurting and you're wounded and come in here and you still lift your hands and say, God, you're, you're greater than my circumstances. And you require me nothing more than a heart of praise. And I'm going to, I'm going to rejoice and be thankful for you today because I don't know about you, but I don't care. Really. I, this church is okay. That house is okay. My cars is okay. Everything's okay. But I will tell you one thing. I was born to die. And the, more, the moment I began to live, I began to die. But I will tell you, there is a home that's prepared for me, that God has prepared for me and prepared for you. And I'm going to tell you this morning that the success that I have, that it'll all be worth it when he comes for us again. So we're going to be successful. 2019, I read a little deal in Jacksonville, Florida about a school teacher. And... Uh, She'd been a school teacher for 23 or 24 years, I think the article said. 
And so on the final exam for ninth graders, and ninth graders are somewhere around 14 or 15. Now, if you're Virgil, you could be 18, still be in the ninth grade. I don't know how that worked. But anyway, usually ninth graders are about 15 years old, somewhere, give or take. And the final exam was, it was the final exam. She was going to ask and told them one question and one question only. And she was loved by all her students. Now, back when we had final exams, you know, we, we studied, Don, I studied about well, no, I didn't either. I just didn't study. But anyway, so she said, we're going to give you one question and one question only. And here was the question. Name the seven wonders of the world. It was a history class. It was simple. Now, if you don't know what they are, here is what they are. The Temple of Artemis. The Pyramids of Egypt. The Statue of Zeus. The Lighthouse of Alexander, Mausoleum or Solus, the, the colossal status of Rome, <coughs> Statue of Rome, and the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. <coughs> there's been some argument, and somebody's going to say, "Well, there's been arguments." I know that. Don't I mean, don't don't play that game with me, please. This is what they figured that the seven wonders of the world. She prepared them for this. <coughs> So she gave them an hour or 45 minutes to, to answer these seven answers. And they all turned in their paper and she took them home to grade them. And the article said, the story said that that night she had a little girl of her own that was seven years old that was beside her eating her dinner. And the mother started grading the papers. And she started grading them and grading them for her class and grading them for her class. And tears began to roll off her cheeks onto the papers. And then finally, after a little bit, she just put her head up on the table and began to sob. None of them got it right. The whole class failed. The entire class failed. She took it personal. The article wrote here was some of their answers from these 15-year-olds. The Grand Canyon... I'd have said that, I guess. The Panama Canal, I've been through that. I've been through Grand Canyon. The Golden Gate Bridge, been there. Niagara Falls, we're going there on our honeymoon. The Taj Mahal, I don't think I got that much money. The Empire State Building, the Great Wall of China, St. Petersburg Square, Peter Square. One even said Disney World. It's a pretty good answer, I guess. So the article said the mother sat there bawling tears and writing F's and, had, and she was forced to fail these kids and she took it personal and she looked at her seven-year-old daughter and the daughter said, Mama, what's wrong? And she said, my class failed. It's my fault. Now, you're not going to believe this, but I want you to hear me. Your response and your actions during the week, I take personal responsible for it. I do. I really don't blame you. I blame myself because somehow I feel like I didn't get it to you and through you. Really? And so she looked at the little girl and she said, well, what was the question? And the mama said, well, you really don't know. She said, well, what was it? She said, the seven wonders of the world. She goes, oh, okay. So off she goes into another room and she comes back in about five minutes and comes back and hands her mother 
something on a piece of paper. And this is what the little seven-year-old girl wrote, the seven wonders of the world. The ability to see, to hear, to taste, to touch, to laugh, to love, to be loved. It's a pretty good answer. So you see, the mother and the teacher was she was basing her whole her whole set of emotions on, on, on a set of, of things that can change. And here's the little girl that comes along that never got the right answer, but she got them all right. The greatest wonders of the world is to be able to see, hear, touch, taste, laugh, to love and to be loved. That's success. If you can see this morning, you're very successful. If you can hear the things of God, if you can taste and touch, if you can laugh, and if you, can, if, if, you can, if you can love the body of Christ and if you can be loved by the body of Christ, you are successful in God's sight this morning. You're looking at a man that's very successful because I know what it's like to see him. I definitely know what it's like to hear him. I know what it's like to taste the Lord and see that he is good. I know what it's like to feel his touch because it began in the garden. He reached down and touched man. And ever since we've been longing for his touch, I know what it's like to laugh because the Bible said God laughs. I know what it's like to be loved by you. And I also know what it's like to demonstrate and reciprocate love to you. And in that, we're successful. Real success this morning, ladies and gentlemen, can be found all around you. You just have to look in the right places. You may say, well, I'm not successful. Well, really? Really? So what do you call success? The Taj Mahal? Six figures a year? Three inches taller? 20 pounds lighter? A little more here on top? I understand, but that's not successful as far as God's side. There are all kinds of success that can be found around you. Number one, a toddler takes his first step. My grandson, Bus, he's about to take his first steps, and I will tell you, we will root him on. I don't know. Somebody said, what is he waiting on? Well, everybody wants to carry him around. It's a pretty good gig, wouldn't you? <laughs> potty training. If, if you don't get excited over potty training, you haven't raised a child in a long time. Boy, when our children got potty trained, boy, I, we broke out the peanut butter and bananas and jelly. We had a party. Woo! A group of kids mows the neighborhood yards for free. A student raises their grades from D's to B's. A couple decided to work on their marital mishaps. A busy executive canceled important meetings just to attend his son's little league baseball game. A man quit smoking after 30 years of that addiction. And millions of Americans were motivated enough to arrive and work on time and gave their best in being courteous and quality service. And you may read these and you may say, that's nothing. It is everything. They're success stories. It is people that are overcoming challenges and people that are overcoming setbacks. 
and people are doing the right thing and people that are growing up and being responsible and, we, and, and all these things are going on. And my, when I watch you for the last 35 years and I've watched some of you grow up, you're very successful because you're honoring God in all that you have and he's causing you not only to be prosperous, but he's causing you to have good success. Often the very things that we overlook as ordinary are really success stories. These things are just gentle reminders that life's most precious things cannot be bought, just experienced. You see, stuff is stuff. Stuff is stuff. So I'm in the process of moving. Well, we're moving. We're moving next door. And I will tell you that, that I'm not overwhelmed. Um, if anybody here is wear size 29 slacks and 30 lengths, I'm not your guy. But if you're, if you're there, anyway, what I mean by that, I have stuff everywhere. I'm not saying that my wife bought it. I'm just saying we bought it. And a lot of it, we bought it when I wasn't around, but we got it. And so she's been busy moving big stuff like couches and refrigerators. She's got a lot of stuff moved. And we're looking around. This is what we're saying. What are we going to do with this stuff? Oh, it's a lot. So I told us, this is what we're going to do. We're going to move everything into the new house. And then we're going to go on vacation. And, and we're going to leave the doors wide open and let them come in and take everything out of our house. It'll save us from moving. So I'll give you notice when that happens. But the idea this morning is that, that there is stuff that we've accumulated along the way that at the moment that we bought it, we was glad to bring it home. Now it's lost its zing. When I brought that Harley home in 2000, oh, don't even look at it. It's $3 to look at it. Now then I'll let the grandkids sit on it, you know. See, prosperity is that when we first got it, Oh, and now then when I pull in the garage or look in the closet, when I bought that suit or I bought that pair of shoes, I was so excited to get it. But somehow through the years, sitting in the closet, dust covered, it's lost the success of it. There's a lot of stuff in our life that we were glad to get when we got it. But isn't it amazing? It's been sitting so long unused that it's kind of lost its savor. So this morning, the, the very thing that is not just accumulating stuff, the thing that will last in you is God's success. And that's what I want you to get this morning. Here's a success list that you need to ask yourself. It's a success checklist. Are you becoming more positive and patient in spite of your circumstances and obstacles? Do you feel more confident and, and content today than you did this time last year? Are your relationships with other people healthier and more harmonious? Are you learning to be more of a giver than a receiver? And are you learning to enjoy the life that God has given you rather just enduring it? If you answered yes, congratulations. You're well on your way to being successful in God. One of the most fascinating scriptures in the Bible is this one. So Joshua starts out this 
this sermon as he begins taking hold of the reins of the children of Israel. He was around when Moses had it for 40 years at a very young man and only him and Caleb survived it. Moses is now dead after 40 years. Now Joseph, excuse me, now Joshua is in command of this rebellious bunch. Now what's funny about this before we go, and I got three minutes, I'm gonna to talk to you. Did you know that in the time of Moses, there were 14 complaints against Moses and God by the children of Israel, 14. There were seven rebellions. Let me, let me back it up. In the 14 complaints against God, after number five, God took off his belt. Give me two weeks and we'll go through that. After number five of the 14 complaints, God took off his belt and he began to chastise the people for their murmuring. There were seven actual rebellions against God in the times of Moses. What I'm telling you, these people never changed. They never changed. They never got healthier. They never got happier. They never got successful. They never got it. Moses filled out a report card every time. F, F, F. If that don't stand for fantastic or fine, it means you failed for 40 years. He passed out report cards to these people of Israel, <clears throat> God's people, and they failed even up to his death. They failed. After 40 years. Now, I've been here 35, and that's not quite 40. I think on 40, God's going to take me home. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this morning, you're not failing. You are succeeding. But Joshua went through this whole pilgrimage with Moses of failings. Seven rebellions, 14 major complaints. And every time after number five, God got them. So now then... Joshua is in charge of this motley crew. It's kind of like that. Who wants to be in charge of them people? Not me. <clears throat> Not me. I saw what it did to that other guy. Not me. Oh, no. Not me. And, and God told Joshua, come here. You're next. So now Joshua begins... He, he begins his role as leadership with Joshua 1 and 8. And he said, y'all line up. He said, for 40 years, I've watched your fathers rebel against God. I watched them kick against God. I watched them kick against the man of God. I've watched jealousy. I've watched rebellion. Don't go to sleep on me. I've watched it all for 40 years. You gave Moses heartburn. You, you drove him in the grave. And I'm going to tell you what, from now on, it's going to change. If it doesn't change, <clears throat> I have a group of men who's going to take a sword and we're going to send you home to glory quickly. Do you understand that? And now then he's got their attention. Moses babied you. I'm not your babysitter, he said. He said, you're going to take it, the book of the law and you're going to study it day and night. And I'm going to give you a quiz on Saturdays. And it's going to get in you. 
and you're going to learn it, you're going to hear it, and you're going to demonstrate it. But you're going to get it in you and it's going to incorporate in your body because if the Word of God gets in you because Moses never got it in you, he got it all around you, but you wouldn't take it in, your fathers wouldn't take it in, and because they wouldn't get it in, they died in a rebellious state. Mm. But Joshua said, not me. It's going to get in you. And you're going to study it day and night. And they're going, yes, sir. And I'm going to give you a Bible quiz every day. Yes, sir. And it's going to get in you. Or we're going to tie you up and we're going to pour it in you. With love. One of the greatest scriptures you'll ever read is the end of Joshua when they buried him. It was this. Watch this. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, which had known the works of the Lord that he had done in Israel. To put it simple as this, all of Israel served the Lord under the leadership of Joshua. Why is that? Joshua 1.8. They used Joshua 1.8 as the platform. And here's the key to this whole thing. I want you to be successful. I want you to serve the Lord. I want it to be said of this small church that this group of people, they serve the Lord under the leadership of men and women of God who presented the Word of God day and night and had you to meditate on it, that it become incorporated into your body. And all the people served the Lord in the days of Joshua. Now, the next chapter of Judges, that's completely different. Because the book of Judges said when he died, all the people did what was right in their own sight. And it went to outer darkness. One of the greatest things about this scripture is this, that Joshua said, if we're going to get it right, Mark, if we're going to get it right, then we're going to have to read the word of God day and night and get it in us. And it becomes our nature. It becomes our first nature now. And we're going to practice love. We're going to understand grace. And we're going to, we're going to understand about loving one another. We're going to understand about discipline. We're going to understand all these things. And that we may say it, that the people of Calvary Christian Fellowship, they serve the Lord all the days of life. Because why? Joshua 1 day. Because the book of the law did not part out of my mouth. But I meditated on day and night. And I did everything that was written within. And God gave me stuff. But more than anything, he gave me the ability to enjoy the stuff. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm very successful because you're here. But it all depends upon meditating on the things of God. Can we get it right? Yes. And so in laughing this morning, <clears throat> I don't want a church full of fighting and bickering and complaining. That's not a church. That's, I can watch that on wrestling. I don't want to do that. I want us to serve the Lord all the days. And how do we do that? Get the Word of God in us. 
Get it in us. Just get it in us. Meditate on it. When you turn someone, when you turn to someone and say, hey, I think your belly's sticking out. Oh, I know. If you eat at Brahms three times a day, you won't have to tell anybody where you've been eating for a month. They'll figure it out. I want you to be full in the things of God. So what is success? Very simple. Success is observing everything that God says and doing it. You may not be exactly where you want to be, but you're way past where you used to be. You may not be exactly, you might not have arrived yet, but I'll tell you, you've left the launching pad. So let me do something for you this morning before we leave. Let me just say a word of prayer over you. You can stand if you want to. I'm going to ask you this morning. I'm not going to ask you if you're perfect. I'm not going to ask you if you're special. I'm not going to ask you this morning that are, are, you, are, are you the the icon of what Christian men and women should be. That's not what I'm asking you. I'm asking you this morning, are you more confident and content in God than you was a year ago? I'm going to ask you this morning, have you learned to be a giver more than a receiver? I'm going to ask you this morning, are you learning to say the words, I'm sorry, and I forgive you easier than you did a year ago? Are you learning to get along with people, not only your home and your family, but church members in a healthy and a harmonious relationship? And if you are, you're very successful. Father, thank you for all the blessings of God that you've given us, this church body. Not only the church body, but you have blessed us through the years. It is your handiwork that still amazes me. But I pray for every person in this place right now that have discarded themselves and discredited themselves by past experiences and failures on their personal report cards, I would pray that they would turn that aside. And I pray this morning that we'll turn our attention to you and be thankful for what you have given us. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. Thank you for my friends in this church. Thank you. Thank you for all the things you have blessed me with. I'm very successful. But there's more one thing that I ask of you, Father, this morning that is recorded about Joseph and Joshua. That he commanded the people to study the Word of God. Let us be good students of your Word that we will serve you all the days of our lives. 
And for that, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, amen. Give the Lord a praise offering this morning, huh? Yeah. Now turn to about four or five people and give them a big old hug and say, you know what? I'm better off because of you. I love you. I thought I didn't like you at first. I like you. I want you to get it. I want you to be successful. Communion service, come. I want you to be able to laugh and love and be loved when you come to this place of worship. I want you to get it. Here's the new flash. You people have made my wife and I a success. Thank you. You've made our lives complete. Thank you. Because of you, we are better people because of your friendship and your commitment to God. Thank you. And I want to reciprocate that to you. I want you to get it. So go home and write a success list and give God thanks for what he's given you and quit pouting on the things that you don't have. You'll thank me later. That night he sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. Your broken dreams, your broken lives, your broken hearts, your broken plans. Things did not come to pass the way that you planned that Jesus said, I'll become broken, that you can become whole. Remember, he left us in peace, not in pieces. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my, my blood that will be poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. My father will take this blood in, in the shape of a cross. And if any man will will apply this blood upon the doorpost of his heart that the death angel Abaddon will pass over him. So every week in this church, we give you a wonderful opportunity to remember and only remember what Christ has done for you. He gave his life for you and he shed his blood for you that we could have eternal life with him one day. And no matter what I face and what I go through in this life, because what Christ has done for me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a success story in progress. Heaven awaits for me. Father, bless this cup and bless this bread. And for all that will partake of it, we give you thanks in Christ's name. In Jesus' name, amen.